This is an ABC podcast. It's time to get out and about in the garden with Rowanna and Sabrina here on ABC Radio Perth and WA. Hello, hello to all of you and a special hello to those of you joining me for the first time this morning. Sab isn't in the studio with me today in its 26th year. It's the live, uh, the Live Light and Nanak Flowering Garden Festival um, boasts over 80 events covering a multitude of topics and workshops. And Sabrina Hahn is down there in the thick of the action. Hello, Sabby. Well, a good morning, Ro. How is downtown Nana? Oh, my God, it is looking absolutely glorious. Oh. The sun is shining. It's blue, blue skies. Oh. We have a crowd assembled around me, but I didn't bring a speaker, so they can't hear anything <laughs> apart from my voice. But, uh, That's what but they came I, for. <laughs> you wouldn't think I've been doing this for 27 years. Um, but it's going to be a fantastic festival. Uh, so we had the opening last night and um, the, there is uh, – the tulips are on display. The whole town is on display. Uh. But there is the most magnificent um, floral display in the town hall. And the theme this year is about sustainability mm. and the river. So a boat has been made – all out of flowers and seed pods. It looks, it's world class, absolutely astonishing. Fantastic. And funnily enough, Ro, mm. I'm actually broadcasting out the front of the Nanup Brewery Company. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, I have a funny feeling you were somewhere near there last time. <laughs> I, I was in the same spot, Ro, the same spot. I was, my next question to you was going to be, where specifically are you? Because I knew that you would be gravitating to certain parts of town. So good oh to see. No, but I am having a, I'm having a cup of tea. Oh, how lovely. You'll have to, oh, I know. you know, I know, get a few photos and send them through to Jess. Have you got yes. anything up on your socials already? Uh, yeah, well, I've sent a whole pile to Jess, so I should imagine they'll be up in about five minutes. Ah, excellent. <laughs> Keep an eye out. Um, just check out Sabrina Hahn's socials, and I'm sure you will see some photos of her and her setup and the fabulous time she's having down in Nanup. Um, how long have you been down there for, Sab? Well, I didn't arrive until yesterday afternoon okay. yep. um, and scoped the place out. I'm staying with Bob and um, Maggie Longmore. They're, they've been part of the the crew that have put on the Nanup Flower and Garden Festival for the last 26 years. Mm. Um, and they've got a food forest garden. They've got a beautiful garden. And they've just put in a natural swimming pool. Oh, how lovely. Which looks very cold and present. <laughs> Yes. Yes, there's always that. Um, if you're listening at home, Sab's in Nanup. I'm in Perth, but it's the same old roots and shoots. You can give us a call, 1300 222 720. If you've got a question, you can also send us through a text on 0437 Um So, Sab, you're not going to use that natural pool for a few laps to get back into the swing of things? You know what? Uh, I think it was five degrees this morning, Ro, <laughs> and it looked beautiful from my bedroom window yes. uh, this morning. I don't think I'll be imbibing in the water this trip, Okay, not this trip, Ro. Yeah, maybe save it for the aquatic centre with a bit of warmth yeah. in the 
Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, very good. Um, all right, let's get to some of your calls and to through a few of your texts as well. That's what you tune in for, in amongst all of the extras that we give you along the way. Alan is in East Frio. Good morning to you, Alan. Oh, uh, good morning. How can we help? Uh, my question, uh, it's about a fig tree. Uh, I want to plant a fig tree next to my vegetable garden. I'm just wondering if there's a non-invasive, root-invasive cultivar that I could put next to my vegetable patch. Is there such a um, thing? Well, uh, now, the fruiting fig is nowhere near as invasive as the ornamental figs, you know, things like the Morton Bay fig and the Jackson fig and the indoor plant fig. Uh-huh. Um, now, one way of keeping a fig where the root system isn't invasive is to keep keep it pruned. Mm. I don't think you're yep. going to have a problem anyway, but um, mm. there is a there's a nursery in uh, in Middle Swan that specialises in all the heritage figs, and some yes. of those are the much smaller growing ones. I don't know what think, varieties he's got available at the moment, but I would definitely yes. go out there and, um, and, and have a look at that, see which yeah, varieties okay. he's got, because the, the heritage I, ones I, are a bit smaller. Yeah. Uh, the idea is it's growing against a fence, so I don't want it to go. I was considering um, making it into an espalier setup uh, because I don't want it too high because the winter yeah. sun... That is perfect. Um, Alan, I saw an espaliered fig tree in France against a beautiful stone building. It was 150 Mm. years old and they had Mm. no problem with the root system at all. Fantastic. They just keep on giving for the rest (laughs) of your life. Yep, they do. They're fantastic. Or I think I know the nursery you're talking about, so thank you very much for that info. Okay. No problem. Thanks, Thanks, Alan. Good on you, Alan. Thanks for giving us a call. Uh, let's head to Michelle, who's down in Mantra. Hello, Michelle. Hello. Good morning. Morning, I Michelle. Just, good morning. I had a question. I've got all these little peppermint seedlings popping up all over the place in the garden where I actually don't want them. And I've right. tried to trans- transplant them into areas where I would like them, but I'm not having yeah. much success. Is there a ah. hint of what to do or to wait till they yes. get to a certain height or what's the goal? No, no. The opposite. You've got to get them as small as possible. So most of our West Australian natives do not like being transplanted once they get past a certain size. So with the peppermint trees, if you can dig them up, the smaller the better, even if they're only like two centimetres high. Oh, wow. Okay. Yep. And use a – the best way of doing that is using, you know, the narrow trenching shovels? Yes. Because you kind of, it's not so much wide that you need to dig up, but deep. So narrow and okay. deep. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. Thank you so and much. And then for bung it straight in where you want it. I've tried so many different heights and I just haven't, haven't got it right. So that's great. Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> okay. No worries, Michelle. Thank you. Bye. Thanks, Michelle. We'll go straight to Maggie, who's in Netherlands. Hello, Maggie. Hello. Um, Hello, Maggie. Sorry, I'm doing my crossword. Um, <laughs> I, want to, I want to take some um, hydrangea cuttings. I've yep. read half a dozen books. They all say different things. Can I take them now or should I wait a yep. bit for longer? No, you can take hydrangea cuttings in summer. You take the tip cuttings 
Or you take them now when they're dormant or just starting to shoot and you come down the, down the stem a bit and you take the hardwood cuttings. Now you have to have at least three nodes, Maggie. So where the leaves come out, you need three lots of those and one of the nodes is going to be buried in the soil. Right, and I don't take the leaves off, do I? Just put the whole thing in. I would take all the lower leaves off and leave the upper leaves on. Okay, thank you very much. That's great. Pleasure. That was easy peasy. Oh, man, Sab, I just want to wake up on a Saturday morning and sit out under the veranda and have a croissant and a juice and do crosswords while listening to the radio. How nice does that sound? Well, some people even brag to say they're still in bed when they I ring in. No, at nine o'clock on a Saturday morning. That's Shame disgraceful, on <laughs> really. There's a day out there to enjoy. Um, Jeff from Cunnanoppen, the place where all the best babies were born. Good on you, Jeff. Ooh. Hey, girls, I've got a root-bound ponytail outgrown its ball-shaped pot. I want to plant it in the garden. I have to smash the pot. What do I do to the roots? Tease, cut, or leave alone? I'd like to cut the head of it off to make it to, of it to make two trunks. Where and when to cut, and can I plant the head? I'm still pushing for a two-hour show, one for gardening and one for giggles. Says Jeff. <laughs> yeah, this, let's be honest, you kind of get thirty minutes of each at the moment, don't you? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, I, actually, I think there's a um, there's a witch's tour. In one of the gardens here, and um, I was asked if they could record my cackle uh, and put it out over the loudspeaker as they go around the garden. (laughs) Okay, Jeff. Um, Now, yes, you can cut its head off. You don't need to tease the roots. They have hardly any root system because the 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 big bum on it actually holds all the all the water and nutrients. So uh, so for ponytail palms, if you want them to shoot out where they've got two trunks, you can't go more than fifty percent. So you cut it down fifty percent. It will shoot from there. You may even get babies shooting from the bulbous bottom. <laughs> Um, so, so smash the pot, cut it in half, put it in a, in the ground or another pot and you'll get a multi-truncated, uh, ponytail palm. Beautiful. All right. There you go, Jeff. Thank you, Sabby. Uh, let's head to Robin now, who's in Westlake. Good morning, Robin. Oh, good morning, uh, ladies. Morning, Robin. How are you? Uh, Marvellous. Okay, I'm from Geraldton and I have yep. a problem with my mango tree and it's only young and all the edges or the edges of the older leaves are all brown. Now normally I would put that down to overwatering or lack of watering. Um, is there anything else it could be? It could be lack of potassium. So sometimes where you get that browning on the edge, it can either be a fungal disease, which you hope it's not, or uh-huh. it's a lack of trace elements. So one or uh-huh. the other. Ah, very good. Okay, because I'm um, – are they heavy um, or do they Feeders. require a lot of water? Ah, oh, they do in summer. So what happens with mangoes is you water them until you see them flowering 
and then you pull the water right back. If you give them too much water once they're flowering, they'll drop a lot of the fruit later on. So uh-huh. be very careful that you don't overwater. Ah, fabulous advice. Thank you. (laughs) Now, also, while I've got you there, I just noticed you were talking to that gentleman about ponytail. I've got a ponytail palm with three trunks and I would like to cut off one. Can I do that without Absolutely no problem whatsoever. Oh, thank you very much. (laughs) I think you just made Robin's day twice, Sab. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. (laughs) Uh, Brilliant. We've got an email from Reg uh, through the address Perth Weekends, all one word, uh, Perth Weekends with an S on the end. Perth Weekends at your.abc.net.au. Good morning, ladies. Reg writes, this young eucalypt is sprouting new growth from its base in my Darlington garden. Should I remove these shoots, I would prefer it to grow upright and bushy. Would appreciate your help. Okay, so Reg, what's happening there is your eucalypt has what's called a lignotuba, and that is a um, that's a mechanism that eucalypts use. If a bushfire comes through, it re-sprouts at the base. If you want yours single trunked and bushy, take those little um, suckers off. Um, otherwise you're going to end up with a bush rather than a tree. So just simply snap them off with your fingers. Okay. Brilliant. Thank you. There you go, Reg. Um, on the text, hi, Sab and Ro, can you talk about the pros and cons of growing Boston ivy up your house? Is it as bad as English ivy? Our place is both brick and weatherboard in different parts. We've just come back from Europe where the ivy is so beautiful on the buildings and we're down in Bunbury, says Robin. Um, keep list, keep, they, and Robin kept listening to the show while away um, and missed her garden. So Aww. Boston ivy, I miss Seb. my garden Aww. when I'm away. Okay, so the Boston ivy is uh, nothing like English ivy. So English ivy or any other ivy, apart from the Boston, uh, the Parthenocissus, I would not put anywhere within five kilometres of my house because ivy has an incredibly invasive root and bust stuff. So the Boston ivy and the Virginia creeper, they're both Parthenocissus, they go deciduous, so they go dormant in winter. They are fine. I've seen Boston and um, I've seen both ivies on buildings in Europe that are hundreds of years old. The thing is you've got to keep just keep it under control. So once you see it going up into the rafters or your roof, you simply cut it off. So okay. it's much easier. I think it looks beautiful. Excellent. Well, good luck with that, Robin. Thank you. Um, we're going to come back to a couple more of your calls and also some questions that Sab might have standing by in Nana. I know. Next. I have a live audience here and they're, um, and they're begging to ask a question. So... Um, I'm just going to, if you'd like to put that on your lovely head and just tell us your name. Hi, my name is Jodie. How can we help you, Jodie? I have a madrine tree, which... Oh, we've just lost Jodie there, Sab. Oh, there we go. There we go. go. (laughs) Okay. Um, I've got a nectarine tree, which has been a transplant, so I don't know the variety. It's an early set. Now, I do get a lot of fruit, but the fruit is flavourless. 
So oh. it's it's not sweet. Um, is there anything that I can actually add to turn the flavour of the fruit? Well, you could put in another nectarine or a peacherine and get the cross-pollination happening. Ah. So I would definitely go and get an, either another nectarine or another peach or another peacherine or um, any of those. It is surrounded by peacherine nectarines already. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, but the fruit is just pl- plenty of fruit, yep, but, but just not much. I would actually chuck it and yeah. get one that's worthwhile looking after. Not even for chutney. No. <laughs> Not even for chutney. Awesome. Thank you very much. Oh, I really I just, appreciate that. You know, the thing is I just don't want people wasting all their energy and yeah. time on a dud. Yep. Yeah. Basically. Yep. Mm. Good thinking, Savvy. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. No worries. <laughs> we'll get you to queue up your next uh, swap the headsets over there, Sab, and we'll be back with you in just a tick. It's Derby 57 tonight. Can the Eagles cause a late season upset? Through the middle of the ground goes Petrocelli with speed to burn and straight over the goal off his Or will Frio make it five Derby wins in a row? Oh, that's unbelievable! What a goal to keep Fremantle in this game! We are the Rio on ABC Radio Perth and WA Sport Digital and the ABC Listen app. Gardening with Rowanna and Sabrina on ABC Radio Perth and WA. It's 22 past nine. Sab, did you have another question yep. coming from the audience got, down got there? Got another live one here. We've Beautiful. got a lovely gentleman here. And what's your name? Jim. Jim. We've got Jim here. What's your question, Jim? And the question is uh, pruning standard roses. Uh, I see a lot of different varieties of pruning like some people cut them right down to the ground mm-hmm. other people just have looks almost like a tree and they just trim it yeah what's the best way to trim it or prune a rose so with a standard rose what they've done is they've put either a floribunda or a hybrid tea or a shrub rose on top of a stick mm-hmm. so basically you forget about the stick and you just think about what the top part is. If it's a floribunda, then you can prune it back easy by a third. If it's a hybrid tea, you need to take off a half. Okay. So it depends what the graft is. So the same rule applies for if it's just a shrub rose. If it's a hybrid tea in the ground, you can take a half to two-thirds off. Yep. Never, ever prune them down to the ground. No. Because you could lose them entirely. Okay. If it's a floribunda, they're the ones that have lots of flowers on the one stem. Yep. Um, then you only take a third off because okay. they're sort of, you want to keep those bushy and floriferous. Okay. So that's right. the general rule of thumb. And what's the best time to prune them? Now, for are you down here, Jim? Uh, no, in Mundaring. Mundaring? Yep. Well, Similar winters yeah. <laughs> in Mundaring. <laughs> so in Mundaring, any time July Somewhere around that, July, August. So for you, I'd be doing it this month. Okay, then. Thank you. That's When you finish at the Nanup Festival, that'll be a chore when you yeah. get home. No worries. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Jim. Oh, good to have some people stopping by there, Sab, to ask questions. We've also got a full bank of calls and the text rolling in, so we'll keep it moving uh, and we'll head to Tim, who's in Bibra Lake. Hello, Tim. Hi. How's it going, ladies? Yeah, good, Tim. Good. Um, so my question's around grass tree replanting. Mm-hmm. So we popped three in the other week 
Yeah. Um, two, two in a brand new garden bed that I've put native soil mix in, and then yep. one out the back, which was just our standard sand that was in that garden. Now the yep. one out the back, drainage no problem, but the new, the new garden bed out the front with native soil mix seems to have the water sit on the top and not drain properly. My question is, what can I do without sort of taking the plan out again and then putting new dirt in? What can I do to improve the drainage? Um, and not having drainage is not a good thing, I have to say, uh, for your grass tree. Sab, we're just right. losing you a little there. Have you? Uh, are you? Uh, hang on. Uh, that sounds better. Levels. Is that better? Yeah, I think so. Can you hear me now? Yeah, that's loud and clear. Thank okay. you. Okay. Uh, so... Um, you're going to have to you're going to have to actually dig some of the soil out around it and try and uh, get rid of that water or dig a little drain like a trench so that yeah. the water drains out with a okay. it's the second time I've used a trenching shovel this morning rope um, <laughs> because if you don't do that it there it it's just your grass tree is going to rot yeah so I thought yeah. Right, more so, I'm afraid you have to dig. <laughs> All right, thanks, lady. Good on you, okay. Tim. Thanks very much. Right, bye. Bye. So, just a quick one for Pat and Dampier. Is it okay to yeah. use vinegar in the garden to increase acidity? Well, that's going to be, uh, I would say, that's not a good idea, mm-hmm. personally. Uh, and the other thing about vinegar is it depends, like some plants, it'll just kill them. So if you want to, um, if you want to increase the acidity, it's all about, you know, if you want to raise the pH, it's actually all about soil improvement. Powdered sulphur or pelletized sulphur is far more effective than vinegar. Um, Compost, cow manure, um, you need to improve the physical makeup of the soil, but sulphur will drop the pH a lot a lot more effectively than vinegar. All right. Well, there you go, Pat. There's a few options for you. Thanks, Sab. Uh, Marie is in Arthur River. Hello. Hello. How are you going? Good. Yeah, good, Marie. That's good. I've got a friend that's giving me a jujube tree and because mm-hmm. it hasn't got leaves at the moment. Now, it's yep. very lanky. Can I cut that in half and the roots Absolutely. must have been in a pot? Oh, good. And the roots must yep. have been so in a jujube, pot. Yeah, definitely keep it in a pot. They... They completely get out of control, the jujube plants, so they'll sucker everywhere. So definitely right. keep it in a pot um, and you can prune 50% off, Marie, no problem at all. Right. Well, the problem is that the pot that it was in, she didn't realise it was there because it got covered over and the roots have gone round um, and round the pot. Will I prune the roots back a bit? Prune or the roots as well. As well. Yeah, so okay, once that... you've pruned the top off, prune the roots yep. as well. Yep. So how far back do I prune the roots? Uh, well, you you can take up anything that's outside the pot, prune them off. Well, the pot's not there. The pot's sort of disintegrated. Oh, the it's pot's gone. A, okay, it, yeah, so just what you want to do is stop the roots from going round and round. So you prune them back where all the the curving roots are. Yeah. Okay, that's fantastic. Yep. Awesome. Good on you, Marie. No, it's bye. Bye. Um, Robin Mindari Sab has just planted a pink lady apple and believes yep. he needs another for the pollination. Is that true? Yes. Okay. It, that is quite correct, Tizimo. There's um, the um, 
the little green they they've changed the name of it but anyway um it's any of the green apples you can put in with that okay perfect so the granny smith there's uh you can get a dwarf granny smith now as well Nice. We are going to head to Sab's Pick of the Week in just a tick, but we'll swing past Albany on the way and say hello to Sue. Hello, Sue. Good morning, ladies. Hi, Sue. Hi. I've got this lemon tree that I got given to me three years ago, and it's in a wine mm-hmm. barrel, and it's a dwarf. Yeah. My dog's dug it up, my dog's dug it up three times. <laughs> Bless. <laughs> Bless, I know. And there's a, there's a, he's chewed one of the top rooty things off. Yeah. But it's still got um it's still got leaves on it, not a lot. There's no dieback on it. And it's right. got one one little sick tiny weeny little lemon on it. Oh. What do I do? How can I make it better? Just chuck it out or uh, no, 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 no. It's worth trying to bring it back to life. Um so I would put your lemon tree in a pot or something like a metal barrel or a wooden barrel. Uh, it's, in a, dog- it's in a wine barrel. Oh, it's in a wine barrel. and Already, yeah. Uh, uh, so has the dog got into it in the wine barrel? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Persistent. Yes. Can you put no, your lemon no, no. tree somewhere else where the dog can't get to it? <laughs> well, this, it hasn't, he hasn't done it for a while, so it's sort of trying to recuperate. Oh, oh okay. I think it's been about All right. four months since he's decided to destroy it. But he, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> um. Yeah, I, I had a Labrador that used to watch me put stuff in the veggie garden, like I'd plant it out, and then he'd go out at night time and just pull them all out. Didn't chew them, he'd just pull them out of the ground to say, you know, I'm not you getting enough, enough attention. attention. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So, Sue, so, um, look, it, we're coming into warm weather now, so as soon as it starts warming up, I think your your little tree will shoot away. Um, okay. Now, you want to develop a more root system, so I would actually lob a bit of chicken manure on it because oh, you actually need some phosphorus. Do I? So, oh, I've got chooks. So how is this to be right. old chicken manure? Old yeah, chicken manure? you don't want too fresh because it will burn the new roots that are developing. Oh. Well, even if it's like a couple of weeks old and you mix it with a bit oh, of straw yeah, or hay. That. I've got that. Okay, I've there you that. go. Yeah. That's the go. Yeah. So do a mulch of that. Yep. Don't give it any other fertiliser though, Sue. Wait. Okay. Just, just the chicken manure will do the job in the, in the early part to okay, get root development. Yeah. Thank you so much. And just one okay, more thing. Okay, no worries. Ha- Yep. How do I get bees? How do I get bees to my passion fruit vine? Okay, so you need and, other you need other stuff in the garden that's flowering all year round. So if you want bees, they need they need food all all year round. So they need to collect pollen. So if you can put some um, rosemary at this time of the year, rosemary and lavender are in flower, and the bees go berserk. So plant some rosemary or lavender or thyme around the base of your passion fruit vine. There we go. Good on you, Sue. Thanks very much for giving us a call this morning. If you want to do the same, 1300 It is that time again. It is. Sabrina's musical pick of the week. Pick, pick of the week. I know you're going to dig this. Here we go now. 
28 to 10. So I thought it was about time, Sabrina Hunt. Hey, just listening to you, have you been a little unwell? I have been as sick as a dog. Oh. Ro, I was so sick, I was off the grog for days. <laughs> That's how crook I was. Terrible. But you know what? Hmm. <laughs> now that I'm down in, in Nanup, um, I've, I've, I've actually uh, – I feel better because I'm in this beautiful, clean, yeah. fresh air. Um, all the local produce is around here. The yes. food's magnificent. I actually I, – because it was the opening last night, so it would have been rude not to sample the local <laughs> wine. Um, today is the first day where I'm feeling almost back to normal. Oh, very good. I'm pleased to hear that you're, you're on the mend and in all of that. Did you find us a pick of the week? Ah, uh, now, it's a very exciting week nationally, Ro, because it's National Science Week. It which is, is one it of is. my Yeah, starts today, I think, or was it yesterday? Yeah. I can't remember. Yep, this week, today, I think. This week, Let's today. Let's go with that. So I thought, what a marvellous opportunity to introduce a song about science that also you can dance to. Oh, so, here we go. <laughs> so this is all about the molecules in our body. Um, and I'm sure Ed Sheeran won't mind that um, a cappella have flogged his tune and made a little science story out of it. So this is called The Molecular Shape of You by A Capella Science. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. Thanks, Sabby. A dot isn't the best way to try to sum up how electrons come and go. Mm-hmm. They are the states of a matter field that follows an equation that do- <laughs> That's not bad, Sabrina Hahn. That was that was fun. What a cracker! <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it did remind me how how as a gardener you are a scientist because gardening is all about science, Ro. Yeah, you've got botany, biology, soil science, entomology, hydrology, geology. All that stuff comes into the science of gardening. You are a scientist. Indeed. We're all scientists when we potter in our garden. Yeah, well, that was, I, I spoke to someone earlier on ABC Perth this morning when we were talking about Science Week a bit more broadly, and I thought she, she mentioned straight off the top, you know, her love of science came from cooking. And I was like, oh, I've never oh. really looked at that as science. The same way I probably wouldn't look at gardening as science, which is pretty cool. And we're going to talk to um, Grace Blackburn, who's a researcher from UWA, in just a moment, a little bit more about this. But I just wanted to go through some of the feedback from your song, which I must say, Ah, largely positive. Epic song, by the way. Love the quirky ones. Best song, (laughs) says Bron. Best song by Sabrina Yet, says someone else. Helen says, my molecules are actually impressed. I enjoyed that as I was getting ready for a disaster from Sabrina. (laughs) Um, Sab, here's cheers to Science Week. The music sucks. (laughs) I I was quite on the build-up then for Nola in Bunbury to say something quite nice. But Ah. look, we'll just leave it at cheers to Science Week with you then, Nola. Um, Sandy and Reggie Dog in Scarborough say brilliant. Boppy pick, Sab. We're off the wicked... Where of the Wicked Tribe, who are still in bed. Oh, Sandy. <sighs> still in bed on these cold winter mornings, so we're shaking our tail feathers between the sheets. Good on you, Sandy. Always <laughs> lovely to hear from you. 
Um, Ricky and Girawain, I don't really like acapella or Ed Sheeran, but I love science, so this has completely won me over. Um, Deb is in caballing. At last, a savvy pick that doesn't make me scream at the radio. (laughs) Great choice. Uh, Sam from Jero, who's a primary school teacher, this week's may have some relevance, but unfortunately, Year Four Science doesn't go into the molecules of our body. The sounds, sound, the song sounds more like high school biology. Don't really have an yeah. opinion on the track, to be honest. It's just really in a league of its own, says Sam. Oh, there you go, Sam. I like to give you a curly one now and again. Barb in Geraldton says, hi, Sam. Yeah, I like it. I couldn't really understand what they were saying. Bit early for a chemistry <laughs> lesson, but it's a good one, says Bias Barb. <laughs> oh, that's, that's our listeners. We love to hear from them each Saturday responding to Sab's pick of the week. Um, I mentioned we have got Grace Blackburn on the line, who's a researcher from UWA, who works with magpies of all the beautiful birds that you could. Hello, Grace. Hi, how are you going? Yeah, good. Nice to be talking to you. You too. What's it like working with wild magpies? Uh, It's really a pleasure. They are really smart, beautiful creatures, Mm. um, and they're very friendly as well, especially the ones here in WA. When you say smart, tell us how smart magpies really are. Well, the guys that we work with, they are able to distinguish between people based on their voices and based on their faces as well. Um, They can tell the difference between different, you know, quantities of food and Mm. they're able to do some pretty cool tests with us as well, like spatial memory and associative learning. Mm. Sab, you're a lover of magpies? Do you know what, Grace? Magpies are my favourite bird. And the reason I say that is because where, where I live now, I've, I've been there for 20 years and uh, in our suburb we used to have lots and lots of big trees. So there were clans of magpies in different areas of the suburb because I walk around it all the time. So, And I can distinguish the different clans and the members of the clan that I have a massive lemon-scented gum tree. They nest in that tree every year. So I've been following different families for 20 years. And the clan that live in my area and nest in my tree, they, I see them up and down the street in other, in other uh, gardens as well. And because I have lots and lots of worms and I bring out mealworms uh, when, they're, when they're nesting and then I leave nesting material out for them, mm. I've got to know them individually. So there's seven individuals and they all have different characters. Because I go away a lot, I, don't, I only feed them very occasionally, but they know me apart from other people in my house. Mm. They are so clever. They are so yeah. smart. All consistent with what you observe in your day-to-day, Grace? Yeah, definitely. They're, they're very smart, very intelligent little birds, and they're so friendly as well. Your research includes um, how man-made noise affects the behaviours of magpies. Tell us a bit more about that and, and what you've found. Yeah, so obviously the noise that we make as humans is uh, very pervasive and it's increasing a lot. Um, so I found recently... One of my first uh, studies for my PhD that magpies will forage less and vocalise less when there's noise around and they'll also spend more time vigilant. So they are more on alert 
when mm. noise is present. Interesting. Um, one of our listeners has sent in a text. Can we feed wild magpies? And I suppose the question that extends from that, should we feed wild magpies? Um, so we don't encourage it just because, you know, they are wild birds and mm. we want to keep them wild. And in WA, it's actually um, illegal to feed, feed mm. wild animals. Um, but, you know, I think as long as you provide them water and you show your face all the time, they'll get used to you as is. They don't really need that extra food, you know? Mm. Yeah, very good. And it is Science Week and um, you've got an event on, as I understand it, we're going statewide at the moment, but an event happening in Perth for those who are around called Bird Brain. Tell us about that. Yeah, so there's a a few talks and events going on uh, with the City of Wanneroo. So we'll be talking today at Clarkson Library um, on Wednesday at Girraween and next Saturday at Wanneroo. And they also have the Carrickon Black Cockatoo uh, Conservation Centre coming down and Birds of Prey um, WA Birds of Prey coming down as well. So a lot of events going on. Oh, sounds fantastic. If people um, want to get along to any of those, where can they find more information, Grace? Um, just search up the City of Wanneroo events and they've got everything all on there. Just every day is jam-packed with events, really. Ah, perfect. Lovely to talk to you, Grace. Thanks for coming on the program. Thanks for having me. You are welcome. Uh, text coming through from Mike in Margaret River. Love the magpies. I have a heap of them in my yard with the big trees around. They'll come right up to me if I sit quietly. I do a bit of a chortle with them and they chortle back. I just love that connection that you can have with them. Sounds like you, Sab. Oh, I know. I know. I love my magpies. And I love they sing. I go out in the morning and I call them. Mm. Yeah, I do a little song for yeah. them. They sing back to me. <laughs> they are. They're, they're beautiful. Um, Penny says, morning, Ro. I have to brag. Sitting at my daughter's table in East Perth, watching 12 red-tailed cockies just outside, <gasps> squabbling and eating. They've been here since 7am and it's just so lovely. How lucky are we? So much oh. peace and joy that you can come from just sitting and observing our beautiful birds that we have here that we're spoilt with um, in Western Australia. Let's jump back into your calls, though. What are we, 14 minutes away from 10? We've got a, plenty of calls and plenty of texts to get through, Sav, so we'll put you at work for the remainder Righty of ho. the show. Let's head to Megan, who's in Mandra. Hello. Hello. Hi, Hi Sabrina. Hi, Rowanna. Hello. Um, I was... Um, I have a property down in Mandra, just on the beach. <clears throat> Excuse me, and um, I'm trying. I've just put in. Well, I haven't just. At the beginning of the year, I put in some viburnum quick fence along yep. a pool. It's a west-facing yep. fence, um, and I want to obviously encourage the growth um, to cover this ugly fence. And yep. uh, I was wondering what fertilizer I should use and when. Okay. I should put so it in and it's I also probably have a question. Sorry. Okay. So it's um, so now that it's starting, we've got longer daylight hours. In about two weeks, that's when I'd start fertilising. The mm-hmm. best fertiliser is one that's actually been developed in Western Australia for our soil type because our soils are quite nutrient deficient and particularly in Mandurah, there you've got mm-hmm. very alkaline soil. Can't give you a product mm-hmm. name, but um, it's only sold at nurseries and it's a West Australian slow-release fertiliser you can use on natives and fruit trees and all your plants. Okay. All right, then. I'll look for that. Thank you very yep. much. And in about two weeks' time, you think? Yep. Yeah. Great. Okay. The other thing I was... I've got out the front 
Um, it's an Indian hawthorn that I'm trying to encourage into a low hedge. Um, same sort of thing, or is there any particular pruning? Same, I should same, do? same deal. Same deal with same the raphiolepsis. Yep. Yep. Okay, and pruning of of that after flowering. As soon as yeah. Okay. So the the best time is to and and the same with your viburnum. Once flowering okay. finishes, then you prune off a third. Okay. <laughs> Wonderful. Thanks, Thank Megan. Nice Let's to talk to you this morning. Um, now, ladies, says this text from Robin, some of us are in bed listening in Bradford, Yorkshire in England and trying oh. not to laugh too loudly to disturb the neighbours. Goodness me, what would it be? 3am? <laughs> uh, lovely to have you listening regardless. And, of course, if the time zones don't work out and you're not awake at this time, you can listen to the podcast, which um, we have on – you can find via – podcast store on our website uh, Roots and Shoots have a look and you can listen at any time that is convenient to you if you miss an episode you can go back um, and find the one that you're looking for the texts are also being flooded Sab with magpie messages which are beautiful Um, Greg and Mount Lawley magpies can recognise 100 different people and live to 25 years of age even if you feed them they prefer their own found worms etc research shows only 80% of the daily food intake is from outside feeding Um, a few years ago, says another texter, one of our local magpies was a female with two symmetrically placed brown feathers down her back. I haven't seen her, Mrs. Brown as we called her, for a while, but every oh. so often I see a baby magpie with a brown feather in the yard. Oh, um, that's so lovely. May is in Patterson Lakes in Victoria. Good morning. My teenage grandchildren are visiting from London and one asked what bird they could hear. I said it's a magpie and they said it didn't sound like the ones over there. I replied it could be because they're singing in an Aussie accent. Are our magpies different to theirs, I wonder? Well, our magpies in WA are certainly different to the ones Mm. in New South Wales. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, they're they're totally different size. Mm. Like our magpies are are really big compared to to Mm. their magpies. Everything's big in WA, Rose. That's it. That's it. Bigger and better. Um, Walking across the Oval and in in Encounter Bay, South Australia, I was only seven years old in 1973. Magpies cornered me into the reserve box, 10 angry magpies, and yes, I was crying. (laughs) Yes, of course, this is the other side of magpies that we do absolutely know in breeding season. (laughs) They're a protective bunch. They um, are. And can be quite aggressive. Um, Back to a few more of your calls. Pamela has been waiting patiently in Kensington. Hello. Hello. Um, I've got a question for Sabrina, please. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. We've we've got an area of paving that gets very hot in summer. I think it faces sort of southeast and we would like to um, take up some of the paving and plant a bit of a native garden. So we're looking for a small eucalypt with nice mm-hmm. flowers that's not yep. too dense yep. and not too sparse. Yep. Um, so your suggestions for that. But also what we should do with the soil once we've taken the paving up, which is probably a bit of paving sand and then just grey sand underneath, I'm assuming. Okay. So you need clay and compost, okay? So right. um, so you need sort of uh, get a couple of bags of compost and then you'll need half a bucket of clay, uh, don't worry about manure. Now, in terms, and you've got to mix that in with the soil. In terms okay. of a small tree, you know the the red flowering gum. You Pitipolia. can get the 
yeah, the the fitzfolia. You can get that grafted into small that so they make them from three and a half meters to thirty meters. So and oh. they have that beautiful umbel top on them and flower beautifully. There's orange, pink, red, vermilion, many different colours. So they graft them on different rootstocks so that they grow to different sizes. Oh, and they okay. are beautiful, you know, you can, the ones that are three and a half, four metres high are absolutely gorgeous and they, and so they do, flower do we, really well. Do we need to go to a specialist tree place for you that? You need to go just... to the, the people that do it the most. Uh, there's a tree farm in Nangara. They okay. do all their own grafting. Uh, I can't right. give you the name, but no, it's no, a no, tree no. farm. In Nangara. Yeah. Thank you. That's Pleasure. lovely. Good advice. Thank you. Thanks, Pamela. Let's go to Annie, who's in East Perth. Hello, Annie. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Um, Sabrina, I have propagated some um, curry leaf trees from seed, and they're in yeah. a seed tray. Yeah. They're now about seven centimetres high. I'm just yep. wondering, is it time to do something with them now or should I wait until it's yeah. a bit warmer? Well, I'd wait until September um, okay. and then do it straight away because the smaller, the better. Uh, they send down a, a root system pretty quickly, actually, a deep root system. But because they're a tropical plant, you really need to, unless you've got a propagator that's got bottom heat on it, you're better no. off waiting until it warms up, Annie. Yeah. Well, the, what the some people do been... is they they fill up a hot water bottle and they put a hot water bottle underneath where they put the pots. Oh, oh, that's an idea because they've been very slow to propagate, really slow. Yeah, so, yeah, because yeah. it's yeah, it's been very cold. So yeah. you can you can do it now as long as you um, do the hot water bottle treatment, particularly at yeah. night. Okay. Or you can wait right. until spring. <laughs> Yeah, okay, all right. Um, okay, I'll give that some thought. Thanks for your help. Good on you, Okay, Annie. no worries, Annie. Thank you. Let's go down to Serpentine. Hello, Lorraine. Good morning, ladies. Um, can you tell me, um, I've got um, a peach tree with all its leaves on and the two yep. plum trees um, have got a few um, flowers. Can I yep. spray them with the, um, the fungicide thing? The leaf, the leaf, the leaf curl spray. Yep, you yes. can. So you haven't got blossom on it yet? Um, I have on a, cu- um, a couple of flowers on my, um, um, let me think, um, plum trees I have. Oh, that's okay. That's all right. Yeah, definitely spray now. Um, otherwise, you'll end up with peach leaf curl. Oh, right. Okay, then. Thank you. Yeah. And one quick question. Um, I've got a, a lemon tree with um, deformed fruit on it. I presume that's um, a mite. Um, yeah. Do I spray that and what do I spray that with? Well, um, so you've got citrus bud mite, so you can just spray with uh, sulphur, with wettable sulphur or lime sulphur. And can I pull it, do I pull the fruit off? Yeah, just take that fruit off, yeah, because the mites will spread. Okay, all right, thank you very much. No worries. Good on you, Lorraine. Thank you very much. Uh, Linda says, hi, Sab. I want to grow a hedge along a fence line where there is no direct sun and a sewer line underneath. I was thinking of a lily-polly bush Christmas. Would that be okay? Uh, I think she means a lily-pilly. 
Um, now, if you've got a sewerage line underneath, I don't know if I'd be putting lily pillies there. Um, and bush Christmas actually needs sun. So that's not going to be a big – that wouldn't be a good pick. You could use Viburnum suspensum or you could use Brainia, B-R-E-Y-N-I-A, Ironstone. They would be much better picks. Okay. Thank you, Sabrina. I live in Thornley, 200 metres from the Canning River. I have a boar and would like some advice on what plants and native shrubs would tolerate the boar water. Thank you. Love your show from Sandy. Okay, Sandy, you need to get a reading on the boar water because um, you need to know what the pH of the water is and, and the salinity in it before you make any choice at all. So... Uh, so I'm not t- – the, the people that put the board down, if you've got their contact details, they will actually have um, a whole reading of, but of, the, of the water from the bore. But I would definitely find out what's actually the quality of the water, of the bore water, before you make a decision on plants. Okay. That makes sense. Steve says, morning row and sab, flax leaf fleabane is the bane of gardeners and farmers' existence. What's the best <laughs> non-toxic treatment to eliminate this weed? As spring, summer comes, it comes. Okay, so Steve, there's two things. One of the best non-toxic ones is a hoe in your hand, a hand hoe. Uh and you won't be going ho, ho, ho as you do it because it's not a pleasant thing at all to do. So that's certainly non-toxic and really good for your health, physical and mental health. <laughs> or there are, there's a couple of um, weed killers that will work. The one that's made from pelagonic acid or pelagonian oil is very effective against fleabane. I can't give you a product name, but go to a nursery or a hardware store and ask for a weed killer that's made from pelagonic acid. Okay. A few magpies, a few more magpies texts coming through and they're wonderful. The most glorious performance I've seen from the magpies on my rural property occurred during a winter gale. The whole flock flew up into the wind, caroling with wild abandon. They were having the time of their lives, says Tony and Beverly. Thank you, Tony. Um, Chris in Busso, I love the black and white mudlarks. They um, strut around my yard and have a distinctive song. Peter says, our magpies also always seem to have willy wagtails flying around them, trying to be annoying, but the magpies seem to just ignore them, says Peter. Um, and Mark in Beaconsfield, can we start calling magpies Kulbaris? Love the Noongar name. Indeed. Thank you for that one, Mark. We're almost out of time, Sabrina Hahn. What have you got? <sighs> you working you hard for the rest of the day? I am. I'm... Um I'm doing a garden tour in about half an hour, going around uh, Bob and Maggie's garden, their permaculture garden. And then um, I'm doing a talk. Can't, don't know what I'm talking about yet. Uh, and then I'm joining Costa at the brewery here and we're going to do a little panel on you ask us a question and we'll tell you some lies. Oh, <laughs> sounds appropriate. Um, have a great day, Sav. Have a great day to all of you. At home, I'm checking out for the weekend. Go Matildas. It's 10 o'clock.
You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.